Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Scram, the podcast passionate about Scotland's food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and this is part two of our Christmas specials for 2021. If you haven't had a chance to check out the first part, we have a great range of guests on talking about Christmas, from Andrew McDuff of McDuff Butchers, to Jenny White and Ewan Matheson from Crisis in Edinburgh, to Bruce Jack of Bruce Jack Wines, and Evan Sampson and Kevin Usher of Dumfries House. It's full of tips for preparing for Christmas. But back to this episode. First up, I talked to Daryl Haldane of fredsdrinks.com. We talk boozy Christmas gifts and homemade festive cocktails. Tony Singh gives me a recipe for Boxing Day from his kitchen in Edinburgh. And Sarah Logan of East Lothian Produce tells us about thousands of tonnes of Brussels sprouts they are harvesting. Next up, I get some delicious recommendations for those last minute gifts from Cameron Dixon of Barebones Chocolate. And Ruben Chesters of Lochavore tells us all about his veg subscription service that is busier than ever at this time of the year. First up, we consider Christmas libations. Okay, so today I'm joined by Daryl Haldane. Hi Daryl, how are you? I'm very well, nice to see you again. You too. Just a bit of background, you used to work for White and Mackay, so you're a whiskey guy. Kind of, yeah. I am a whiskey guy, but my background before I got into whiskey was always in cocktails and bars and things like that. So I became a whiskey person in the end, yeah. You've recently moved away to set up your own business, which is kind of in the sort of new stages now. So what, what is it that you're up to now? Yeah, so we're setting up a, a retailer that will sell all spirits. And what we want to do is basically we want people to drink better and to drink differently, you know, to explore the wonderful world of spirits. So that's kind of our mission and to kind of achieve that, I think what we need to do is help people navigate these massively complex or what feels like massively complex categories of single malts, bourbons, tequilas and things like that. And then once they've navigated that, we want to help them make great drinks. You know, So when you get a bottle of, say, it's tequila and you take it home, what do you actually do with that? You know, Do you make a margarita? Most people probably would, but... Have they ever heard of a Paloma or a Batanga? You know, these different drinks that where you, where you go to where these things come from, quite often they're making them, you know. And actually, some of these drinks are super simple and a lot of it's just about awareness, I think. And I think during lockdown, a lot of us were becoming at-home bartenders, so I think you're probably yeah. going to have a good audience there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think people did. They went all out and it was quite funny, actually. It was a good friend of mine whose mum and dad, he lives down south, his mum and dad live in Edinburgh. His mum and dad had sent him a picture of them drinking espresso martinis and... As a former bartender, you know, they thought that they were doing their son, you know, really, really proud. And he sort of messaged them back saying, that's great that you can make espresso martinis. The problem is, is that you're drinking them at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so <it> was, <laughs> I think it gives you a bit of an insight into how lockdown got for some people, you know. Yeah. yeah. So one of the main times of drinking cocktails and maybe like having a bit of a celebration 
at home is Christmas. What would be mm. your like top Christmas cocktails that you would recommend to people? Yeah, I, you've always got stuff in the house at Christmas that you don't normally have. Things like cranberry sauce, you know, and it's like, when would you ever use that other than obviously around Christmas for your turkey and your turkey sandwiches about five days after? But things like that are actually really good in cocktails because they're sweet, they're preserved fruits, and you don't want to waste them. So, you know, I think things like that can work out really well. So, we, we say something like a margarita, really, really nice with a little teaspoon or two of cranberry sauce in them because it not only makes them look beautiful but actually has a lovely flavor impact as well so things like that can be really good and i i do like to sort of use different bits and pieces that aren't normally in the house so it does tend to be things like that you know jams fruits and stuff what advice would you give say someone's coming to your website for christmas gifts and they know that the person they're buying for likes whiskey or likes gin loves gin but they're not quite sure what they should get what kind of advice would you give people looking to buy drinks for christmas presents yeah it always helps if you've got a little bit of information and certainly i've worked 15 years in whiskey and people would always come to me for advice you know what should i buy for this person get a bit of a feel for what they like and actually think about what they eat and most people don't know what people drink but they do tend to know what people like to eat do they like strong flavors intense flavors or do they tend to go for the kind of lighter flavors and things like that so say for example if you love smoked meats and you know that about somebody try a smoky whiskey you know you can try kalilas taliskers and things like that because although they're smoky there's lots of sweet and delicate flavors behind the smoke so you know you can be confident they might enjoy something like that and maybe if you know they've traveled a lot you know you you know they're quite open to different types of flavors so you know spices and in, in terms of chili or even dry spices like cinnamons and cloves you know if they know they're into kind of exploring different flavors just be brave and just kind of go for it but i've, I've got a bit of a mixed group as well you know my, some of my friends are industry people they're quite easy to buy for um, because you can just kind of, you get them something a bit weird and wonderful. They'll usually just drink it anyway. Uh, they're quite easy pleased in that respect. But then, you know, some family members who, who are nothing to do with the industry, quite often what I'll do is I'll go for a brand that they might recognize and then maybe go for the product behind the kind of lead product. So if it's a 12 year old, that's their normal bottling, maybe going for something that's like a 14 year old or maybe something that has a slightly different cask story. Maybe it's a Rioja cask or something like that. You know, if they like Riocas or light red wines and things, that's also quite a good indicator. So have a think about what they like to eat. Think about how adventurous they might be. And if there's a couple of things you know they like, just see if you can join the dots. So if they like red wine, try a red wine cask. You know, Jura red wine's a great example. Pretty easy to get hold of. Flavor-wise, it's not offensive. It's very easy going. You know, that that's probably the way that I would go about it if it's for other people. If it's for yourself add a tenner on and treat yourself, you know, don't <laughs> Oh, it's Christmas after all. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. There's been quite a few, like, inaugural whiskey releases this year as well as really old whiskey. Is yeah. it kind of an exciting time to be to be in whiskey, not in whiskey, or, like, you know, drinking whiskey, getting into whiskey, that kind of thing? It's a golden age. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I started working for a company, Diageo, who make Johnny Walker and Talisker and things like that. Back in about 2007, I think I started there, and... The industry, the malt whiskey industry was definitely starting to pick up and there were very few new distilleries, if any, by that point. Um, I think the first distillery to open for quite a long time it was Aaron, you know, um, and there weren't many distilleries kind of opening up. And, and in the last five years, we've seen so many distilleries opening up and starting to release the single malts, you know, for the first time. 
whilst at the same time we've seen a whiskey just recently, and you will have seen that, the 80-year-old that was launched by uh, Gordon and McPhail, who, who launched a Glenlivet. That was an 80-year-old whiskey, the oldest whiskey sold. So you're seeing absolutely both sides of that. New whiskeys on the market for the first time. Old whiskeys coming in, uh, the oldest that have ever been released. Yeah, it's an amazing time. I've been really fortunate because I've kind of lived it, you know, working for some of the major brands over the last 15 years. I've sort of lived a little bit of that growth and got a real insight into, you know, what it is that's making people enjoy this product from Scotland in places like China and Taiwan, in places like Latin America, all the way up to Canada, literally all over the world, every country I go to, as soon as I tell them I, I work in whiskey, they want to welcome me into their homes. They want to take me on holiday. You know, they want to they want to have a good time because they see so much of Scotland and they've never been here before, many of them. They see so much of it through the whiskey brands that they enjoy. And, and that's actually something that gives me quite a lot of pleasure. You know, there's a slightly selfish bit of me that kind of makes me smile and go, that's quite amazing. For your Christmas uh, drinks and gifts, your Fred's whiskey mm. and you, your live and it looks really cool. We've just had a wee look at it. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's cocktail suggestions and all that kind of thing, videos. So sounds like a great website for going and having a wee look and getting your Christmas gifts. Yeah, totally. Well, what we're trying to do is just help people, you know, and it can be quite scary because you're spending £30 or £35 on a even a bottle of gin now is, is about 30 quid or £35. So I think it is, it's giving people that confidence and that trust hopefully in us um you know there's a few of us involved here who have all worked in bars we've all worked in the spirits industry for quite a long time and we just think there's a really good opportunity to sort of help people through um that process of picking a gift for someone picking something that you like or even trying something new and going this is what i like where, where do i go next you know so if you like appleton's as a rum pot still rum from jamaica where do you go after that well, actually, there's other distilleries in Jamaica that you've never heard of that are absolutely sensational. And the chances are we'll probably have them on the site. It's also not just about finding the right bottle. What do you do with it? When you get that bottle into your house, how do you make a brilliant gin and tonic with that Paris gin or that Linden lime gin? How do you do it? So that's our job is really to help on that front. So yeah, it's fredsdrinks.com. Have a look around, come and see some beautiful pictures of cocktails that aren't all made by super duper bartenders. They're made by people like me who are very much kitchen bartenders these days. Uh, and most of the drinks as well are sort of three or four ingredients. So they're not scary, they're really easy. And, and as you say, I think people have really enjoyed making cocktails at home over the last year and a half. And I know it's been difficult on, on so many levels, but I always remember years ago, uh, working in the cocktail industry and, and trying to get people to make cocktails at home. And they were they were always scared because you need tons of equipment, you need all of these obscure ingredients, you need exotic fruits and things like that. And actually the reality is, is that you don't, you'll have almost everything you need in the kitchen right now already. And it's just a case of just finding out how to use them properly and pull them together, you know? Cool. And are you still opening your retail shops? Is that yeah, kind of way yeah. in the future? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyone that's sort of in Edinburgh at the moment, running around George Street area, uh, will have seen what used to be a Starbucks on the corner of Castle Street and George Street. Uh, that'll be the first shop that we open. And um, our plan is, is to open around kind of March time. So yeah, it's, uh, it's all systems go. It's just planning. 
getting the designs done and materials and builders, you know, the, not the glamorous stuff, unfortunately. And once it's open, we can get in and, and get tasting some really, really nice products. So yeah, it's just on George Street in Edinburgh. It's, we're working on it just now. And Glasgow eventually, because I know you got your license through for that. Yeah, we did. Exactly. So Glasgow, the plan is for May. So it's uh, it's all systems go. The Glasgow store will be really cool because of the location as well. You know, it's just off of George Square there on South Frederick Street. So it's uh, it was an old tailor's actually. So it's uh, it's a really, really cool property. And I think it will be brilliant because one of the things that, again, we've talked about even through the website, but in the stores as well, is we want people to come in and try things. You know, taste that gin and tonic. If you're unsure, let us take you through it. You know, let us show you how to make it in in the shop. So when you go home, you've got everything you need to go there and, and get on with it. So yeah, once those are open, we can um, we can get you down and uh, have a have a sherry or two. <laughs> yeah, I love sherry. <laughs> yeah, I love sherry as well. It's kind of my guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much, and hope you have a nice Christmas and good luck and with you. everything. Yeah, brilliant. No, no, thanks for having us, and um, we'll we'll see you very shortly. Thank you. Thank you. I went to visit Tony Singh to get some advice from him on what to do with those inevitable Christmas dinner leftovers. Today I am in Tony Singh's house. Hi Tony. Hiya, how is it going? Fine, how are you? I'm fantastic. So it's almost Christmas, mm. which is, is that a busy time for you? Just a little bit, a bit stressful. You'll find everybody in the hospitality industry gearing up. Christmas parties are allowed again to a certain point. Um, you obviously entertain the family and friends, so yeah, people are gearing up for. This is what two years since we've had a proper Christmas, really getting everybody around. Yeah, um, and is it a busy time? So I know you, not that long ago, set up your street food Raj Chat. Is that what's going to be happening with that over Christmas? Well, Raj Chat is there. We're looking at doing deliveries now. Pure street food people come pick up, and I keep forgetting we're in Scotland, so the weather's turning people away. When the rain's coming in sideways, nobody wants to stand outside a container. So we'll be doing deliveries. We'll be getting on a couple of platforms there. We'll be putting some specials on, maybe. Uh, we should have our chili cheese samosa. This is epic. That's going on. It's just stunning. So fantastic. Can't wait to get people to try that. Obviously, Christmas Day, a lot of people just do like a big traditional turkey or like, you know, roast, whatever. And then Boxing Day, there's a lot of leftovers. So what is it that you would suggest people could do with their leftovers for a nice kind of tasty meal? Well, this is a thing, yeah. We're all about sustainability and zero waste. And it's a great thing just to get your mind around that. If you're doing a roast or a turkey or you're cooking for a lot of people, because normally we'll all have leftovers, and we do great things like somebody probably just got a curry and we've got a fantastic tomato and vegetable curry recipe, or we've got a turkey and egg noodle broth we always go and do, which is really good. Soupy helps soak up all that extra alcohol we've had the night, that eggnog gets knocked off, um, or a samosa. Right? So if you look at a samosa, basically, you can fill it with any wonderful, magical stuff you've got leftover veggies, chopped up turkey, you could have stuffing, one of our favourites when we do is stuffing, bit of cheese, chilli and then the gravy on top if there's any leftover once it's come out of the fryer, stunning. How would you go about making a small stuff? Like, because people might think, oh you know, that's something I'd normally buy, like how easy is it to make at home? It's very simple, it's a basically short crust pastry, so you're looking at two parts flour to one part fat kind of thing. You make it cold water. Once you've got the pastry made, you can stuff it with anything, really. You get empanada presses now. Stocking filler, folks, there's a wee present for somebody. It's a fiver from any of your online retailers. And just flip it over. Everybody wants to make the triangle-shaped samosa, which is great. It's just practice. And you can stuff it with anything you want. 
like the, the, the turkey broth that we do, you can make the stock with the bones or you can use the base of the gravy and then it's just chopped onions, chilies, whatever veggies are there, egg noodles and then you'll make your noodles, make the broth and just pop everything in and it's lovely. It's pot noodles on steroids. That's what you need to get. It's <laughs> lovely. Which is exactly what you need with a bit of hangover. Totally. Um, and what about yourself? What, what do you guys do over Christmas? Well, we're just deciding what we're going to have this Christmas. Last Christmas, we had pork belly. Christmas before, we had shoulder of lamb. This year, we're not. We might have a seafood feast. We're looking at doing something. I see, I like a, I like a fish pie. I know it does sound glamorous. A nice fish pie with boiled eggs and it's lovely. Probably scallops to start, and then we'll see what else. Prawn cocktail. We just like a prawn cocktail. Yeah, true. That sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. And then sort of not a traditional, but doesn't really matter. Well, it's, uh, who actually knows what the first Christmas <laughs> dinner was? I don't think it was turkey. I don't know how we got to turkey. I might have to do a wee research why turkey is the traditional thing. Because it used to be goose. And people get really kind of hit up in it, don't they? Like. As if it's not just like a big roast chicken, but people get really stressed out. People do get stressed. It's quite hard to cook because you've got the legs to cook and the breasts at different temperatures. And they've all seen everybody gets food envy or food dysmorphia or whatever you want to call it. They see all these pictures of amazing things. And A, is your oven big enough to actually take that size of turkey to cook it like that? And it's lots of time people buy frozen turkeys and always think you've got these comedy sketches where they're always defrosting the turkey in the, in, in the, in the bath. You have to plan it at least four or five days ahead. Get out, get all your stuff in. You want all your f- shopping in at least two days before you start cooking. And then slowly make everything. And then uh, the last thing what you're basically doing is cooking off your turkey, finishing off your veggies. And then making sure everything's warm at the right time or hot. Well, that's another thing that we do in Britain. It's all about everything has to be piping hot. If you look at different cuisines around the world, different textures, different temperatures, it's fine. You know what I mean? But the thing is, you're going to have guests that are well-behaved and well-mannered and they'll be happy and smile, whatever it is. So that's it. If not, don't invite them next year. I see you've never met my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, are you continuing on your supper club? Yes, which has been great. And that's what we've started doing after the lockdown restrictions were eased. Uh, we've put some stuff in place that we had to. And yeah, we've started again from September and it's been touch wood. Yeah, we're fully booked till March. And then we'll see what happens after that. Yeah. And that's essentially people come here and you cook them dinner. Yes. What happens at supper club stays at supper club. <laughs> so you come, it's a good old fashioned dinner party where you don't have to do the dishes. You could be two people uh, in a party. The table takes 12, right? So it could be six twos or two fours and two twos or three fours, you know what I mean? Or it could be 10 and two. It's great. It's a good match. You meet different people. Okay, so the broth yes we're gonna make the broth so you can if you've got gravy left over you can use that as your base if you've got turkey stock left over chicken stock left over you can use that as a base uh, we won't have any because they just devour everything so we've got some water going into the pan what we're going to add to that is some chicken stock cubes and it goes and we'll peel an onion and everything else is going to be what's lying about basically uh, we'll get the carrots, veggies, cut them up and we'll have them ready. We've picked the meat off the turkey. So for your um, chicken stocking, do you, do you tend to use some of your suppliers or do you use the places you go? Yeah, I'm very spoiled. I get all delivered, it's all done. It's excellent. And then because you're in a kitchen, 
And because we're working away, I've got turkey stock made already. It's in the freezer. You know what I mean? So that's the onions chopped. I'm going to peel a carrot because we want some. Because the veggies are all cooked, you still want texture because the noodles will be soft. The turkey is roasted. So we'll get five the onions, ginger, garlic, chilli. I'm just going to peel a carrot. <laughs> Vietnam, it's for uh, peeling big gourds and stuff. It's like a blade of a peeler, but supersized. Kind of swivelly peelers, right? You yeah, get yeah. imagine a blade, yeah, about 10 times as big and it's got a handle on the head. Like a machete, well, that's why I bought it. Boys and their toys. Although, yeah, I mean, I hate peeling veg, so that would make it a hell of a lot easier. You have a shop, it is very therapeutic. <laughs> I would just sit there and peel stuff there. It's awesome. And then I've got a mandolin. Just love the julienne off the carrot. If you've not got that, you can grate your carrot. Yeah, you won't get that crisp texture, but you know what? It's all about getting the flavour into the pan. So these are, yeah, like you see, you can grate it, but these are thicker than a grater, so it's like... Yeah, you get fine slices. Oh, okay. these strips. And what we'll do, that's a stock boil. It's lovely. We're going to fry off the ginger, garlic, chilli, which we've got prepped. And so that's nice. Put that put together and just let it come up to simmer. Fresh coriander at the end. Pop your turkey in the last minute. Your noodles are cooked. It's honestly that simple. Nice. And it looks amazing. It smells great too. Yeah. We talked about the savoury aspect of Christmas. What would you have for dessert? We've always got a Christmas pudding. Nobody eats it. I don't care why. We've always... <laughs> I don't care we buy it. It's this tradition thing. You know what I mean? We like setting it on fire. Arsonists, all of us, it's terrible. It's always a fight to find out who heats up the brandy and puts a match to it. But trifle, we always make a big trifle. We all love trifle. So we make Madeira cake and we let it dry out a bit. So we slice that. So I'll make that the week before Christmas. And then let it dry out so it sucks up more of the sherry. We actually use Dram Beauty in it. So Dram Beauty, bottom, pour the jelly on top, let it set, then good old... We don't make a chemical glaze, we use Bird's Custard. Other custards are available, but <laughs> put extra vanilla in it, and then we set that, and then cream on top, I love it. Nice. So it's always there. Nice, and what what happens with the Christmas pudding? Just set it on fire and then... <laughs> set it on fire, some people nibble at it. It's like, ugh, I've been surprised for as well. It's there, people never, it doesn't go to waste, they'll, they'll make something. We normally make a nice Christmas uh, pudding parfait afterwards. Oh, nice. Because there's always double cream afterwards. Buy cream for the world. Uh, make a bomb mixture, so that's when you cook your egg, your yolks over sugar, and then you'll fold in the double cream, but we'll break up the Christmas pudding in it, and then fold it in and then freeze it. Nice. It's really nice with like tartar tan and anything apple-y, because you've got like, dry fruit. Nice, good. So, so that's like a lot of ideas for beyond Christmas and beyond. Well, it is, because there's a lot of food left over. Even everybody is very conscious, I think, now of food waste and the impact it's having on everything. And uh, it's a case of making sure we use as much of it as we can and buy the right amount. Because, yeah, there's enough food there, but as you can see what happened at Petal, you get one wee scare and it's madness. And it's making sure everybody gets something. The kind of chat is that there's going to be shortages. I've spoken suppliers, they're working months in advance. They've put in their orders. Their producers have said, yeah, they've fulfilled their orders. It's how it gets here. Right. So there's still food there, it's how it will be, and I think it'll be here that everybody's trying really hard to make sure nobody goes without. Yeah, well, thank you very much, that's a great recipe, I'll definitely be trying that on Boxing Day, and hope you have a lovely Christmas. And you have a great Christmas. Thank you very much. Cheers.
Next you'll hear from Sarah Logan, standing in a field of Brussels sprouts on a very windy day from her farm in East Lothian. Logan from WNR Logan Limited, uh, uh, West Carlton and Haddington. Here we are in one of the 650 acres that we grow our sprouts. Every year um, we grow 6,000 tonnes of sprouts approximately. Uh, we start harvesting in September through to March, April time. We're in our busiest time this year, Christmas, so you're Two weeks before Christmas, we're 24 hours a day, harvesting through the night, all day long. Our team work really hard getting these all to the Christmas tables for the 25th of December. Us Logans, we don't like our veg steamed. We prefer it stir-fried with some garlic and pancetta. You can add a little bit of chilli if you like, but that's how we like them on Christmas Day. Hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. If you're still shopping or interested in chocolate, as I know many of us are, then this next interview should be right up your street. I spoke to Cameron Dixon of Barebones Chocolate about this thriving chocolate business he is running with his partner, Lara Messer. I'm now joined by Cameron Dixon from Barebones Chocolate. Hi Cameron, how are you? I'm good, thanks Rosalind. It's almost Christmas, which must be quite a busy time for you guys. So what does that look like for you? Yes, Christmas is crazy for us because we make the chocolate from scratch. We import the cocoa beans and it's a long process. It takes about a week and a half to make chocolate and our orders are about two to three times as busy at Christmas. It's just crazy. We can't keep up. We don't have the machinery. We're working crazy hours, but hopefully, hopefully it'll be worth it on Christmas Day. And what kind of stuff are you offering for Christmas? Like, what's your core range and do you do anything differently? The idea behind our chocolate is we import cocoa beans from different areas around the world and they taste really different based on the, the genetics and where they've been grown. So we have five chocolates in our, in our standard range and for Christmas we found these incredible beans from Colombia and they taste like mulled wine, cranberries, these incredible spices, but it's all just through the genetics and how they've been grown and then how we've processed them. So it's this amazing Christmas flavoured chocolate, but just from cocoa beans and sugar. That sounds lovely. So is it bars that you do? Yeah, it's all bars. Well, we do mini bars, we do 70 gram bars, and then we also do hot chocolate made from the same chocolate as our bars. I love a hot chocolate Christmas. <laughs> and so are people able to still order now from you or is it sort of the, the moments past? So we have a few things left on our website, which we're getting out DPD, track next day in time for Christmas but there is a good amount sold out now. How did Bare Bones come about? It's you and your partner Lara, is that right? Yeah, me and Lara were passionate about speciality coffee for a long time and then we started eating bean to bar chocolate and at that time we were making things at home, making bread, ferments and then we learned that you could make bean to bar chocolate at home with really small machinery and that was us hooked. Roasting Cacao is very similar to roasting coffee, so there was a lot of similarities. And Lara's dad is a coffee roaster. We just started making it and it tasted incredible. And there's so few people in the UK who are, who are making chocolate from cocoa beans. There's a lot more people in America doing it and we wanted to launch it as a business. And so obviously that was three years ago and now you've gone from strength to strength because you're available in nice places. Who stocks your chocolate? So you can find our chocolate in a range of mainly independents, coffee shops, delis, but some larger retailers like Selfridges. Oh, nice. 
that must be quite a big deal. Yeah, it's really cool. They've got like a beautiful display with marble and it says our names engraved in marble. It says bare bones and it's got the, the stand, which was pretty crazy to see from making chocolate on our kitchen table and then walking in Selfridges and seeing the display with our, with our name on it. And what's in the name? Is it just literally because it's such a bare bones process? Yeah, so it's about not adding any additives or flavourings, stripping the chocolate back to just cocoa beans and sugar and, and getting all these incredible flavours from amazing quality cocoa beans and controlling the process that you can get these incredible flavours. Um, but that runs through to even through to our packaging. Everything's very simple and just about the chocolate inside. What does Christmas look like for you guys? Are you having a family one? Or are you having a traditional meal? What, what are you up to? So we both have Christmas dinner at our, our own parents um, and then we come together at night. My mum's got quite a big family, so, so it's a big party. It's going to be turkey dinner. You must kind of look forward to it being off work and having someone else do the cooking. Yeah, to be honest, we don't do much cooking at the moment. <laughs> We're working 100 odd hour weeks, so, so it's takeaways and... Yeah, it'll be a well-earned rest when, when Christmas comes. What's on the cards for you guys in 2022? Have you got any sort of new things coming up or is it just business as usual? The Christmas chocolate has been incredibly well received. So we'd like to keep our core range, but then find some really incredible cocoa beans and, and do limited editions more often. I think that'd be really exciting to try new cocoa beans and let people try some different things. And how do you go about sourcing the beans? And can you kind of get like a little sample and make sure it's okay? Or do you have to just go... I want that one and, and buy it in bulk. So it's much like coffee, how coffee's sourced. We work with an incredible woman in Belgium and she visits farms all across the world and has really good relationships with farmers. She sends us samples, but she brings in containers from the farms and we buy pallets from her. But because we're the size we are, we can't work directly with farmers in Honduras and also farmers in Honduras don't want to work with lots of individual makers. It's easier for them to work with one supplier who can buy in bulk or relative bulk. How do you get your coffee beans? One of the incredible things was with the farmers we work with in Madagascar. The lady we work with who sources the cocoa beans for us, she took some of our chocolate back to Madagascar and let them try it, which was to show them like if they ferment to these protocols and, and put in this attention to detail, here's how incredible it can taste. And there were so many people at the farms that had never even tasted chocolate before, like little girls eating the chocolate and the photos of the smiles on their face. and. It's pretty special. Yeah, that's amazing to think that they have their own ingredients, but they've never tried it. They make like a rough chocolate and they make drinks with the cacao and different things, but they've never tried it with the machinery and the, the attention to detail that we do. Um, and so you've got a shop in Glasgow, is that right? Yeah, so we've got a factory in Salt Market in Glasgow. And then at the very front of our factory, we've got like a small retail space. And can you come in and get a hot chocolate? <laughs> so we do hot chocolate pop-ups, which you can find on our Instagram, which are amazing. Like be the best hot chocolate you'll try. I know your chocolate's really good and I'm now excited to try your hot chocolate. And the really cool thing about our hot chocolate that no one is really doing is treating it like coffee. So we serve two different origins of hot chocolate and you can really taste the difference of the cocoa beans in each. Nice. That's interesting. I feel like it's come a long way since your powdered dairy milk stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers, thank you. Finally, on this Christmas episode of Scran, I talked to Ruben Chesters, who runs a chain of vegetable shops, as well as a veggie box subscription service. We chat about the business and the more unusual pastime of identifying vegetables. I'm now joined by Ruben Chesters, who's the founder and managing director of Locavore. Hi Ruben, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm busy run up to Christmas. Nice. So can you just tell anyone that doesn't know a little bit about Locavore? 
we're a social enterprise, and social enterprise kind of partly between a charity and a business, so we're kind of mission driven, and our mission is all about food sustainability. So local actually means eat our local food. Sort of play on words coming from carnivore, omnivore, local vor. We founded in Glasgow ten years ago. We have free shops in Glasgow. We just opened one in Kirk and Tillock, and we're about to open one in Edinburgh. And we also do market gardening. So we've got a few small farms where we grow local organic veg and that supplies our shop. So also our veg box scheme as well, which delivers across central Scotland. What was the kind of thinking behind setting up Local for? Is it, you know, I know you're kind of big into getting people to eat locally and like kind of support community food, but was that sort of the vision 10 years ago? And, and do you think it's kind of going the way you thought it would? So no, I studied in environmental sustainability and I kind of saw the food sustainability and need for a food system tackles the climate emergency is like critically important to start with i'd been involved in community gardening i helped set up a charity doing community gardens in the south side of glasgow out of that came this thought that it's great that we've got this small space where we've grown veg it's great there's loads of organizations getting bits of government funding to engage people around food growing and how to cook with local and organic produce but there's nowhere really to purchase that stuff. And quite often it's not really being grown at any scale as well. So from there came the idea of trying to almost build that alternative food system where we have the market and we use that market to change the way food's produced for the better. And have you found over the years that your consumers become a bit more engaged with that type of thing? Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a two-way street. So, I mean, obviously people come and shop with us because they like what we do. But then people come and shop with us and then they find out the story behind it and then they become more engaged with it that way as well. But I think like definitely in the sort of wider media and public consciousness and, you know, the climate emergencies come up. It's got, it's called the climate emergency now. We've got the biodiversity emergency. We had lots of documentaries come out around kind of wildlife crisis. Greta Thunberg's as well known as Justin Bieber. So, yeah, I mean, all this stuff's really high in the public consciousness and you know, we know how important it is to make these changes. You've mentioned community gardening and things. So when it comes to the veg boxes that are delivered to people, what kind of things are in there? Like what could the customer expect from your veg boxes? So our veg boxes, we do different sizes. They're a mixed box of local, seasonal, organic produce. And that way you can suspect something different, a bit of a surprise every week. And that's changing through the year. So, you know, this time of year, it's all about what we grow in Scotland's staple root crops. So carrots, parsnips, brassicas like cabbage and Brussels sprouts. It's, you know, it's just Christmas dinner. And that's, you know, that's why Christmas dinner is, is what it is. And then during the summer, it's completely different. It's about the cucumbers that we're managing to grow in our polytunnels and the tomatoes lots of salad and lots of leafy greens so it's uh, connecting with the seasons a bit more so yeah it's christmas you guys have mentioned you're quite busy yeah yeah we're quite busy and they're up to christmas getting all the the veg boxes out then we're back in the new year for that we had to close our veg boxes for about a year and a half there because there was a big sort of surge in sign up after the start of covid but we are just about to move to a larger warehouse and we'll open our waiting list to new customers quite early in the new year. If you're getting a veg box and you know, you've mentioned what's going to be in there or the types of thing that could be in there and you're thinking, oh, I'm, I don't really know or I'm sick of like boiling sprouts or, you know, roasting potatoes or whatever. Do you have any suggestions of how people could maybe sort of cook their Christmas veg slightly differently? I think Brussels sprouts are one of these ones where, you know, lots of people grew up with them being cooked terribly and don't like them as a result. There's lots of new interesting ways you can cook them. I really like pan frying them, so just in a, 
a heavy kind of cast iron pan and frying them with a, a bit of, of butter or oil and maybe some almonds in there as well for a bit of sort of seasonal speciality. And then, yeah, red cabbage as well. A big part of this time of year, making that Christmassy with lots of nice spices, cooking it very slowly with a bit of wine, kind of slow roasting parsnips and carrots and a little bit of salt and pepper and that's that's all you need sometimes i'd get your veg boxes and they're great like you say it's good to connect to the seasons but it's also nice to have veg that's like quite obviously come from the ground like i spend most of the you know when i first get it you wash all the mud off and it's just i've not done that since i was young do you find your customers as well have that connection back to where their veg has come from rather than taking it out of plastic fully clean from the supermarket yeah i think that really helps this time of year with sort of dirty carrots sort of freshly lifted and the dirt keeps them fresher as well so they last longer that way too it's nature's packaging within our shops we've got signs saying where everything's grown and within the veg box you've got the newsletter every week saying where things have come from and some updates from the farmers that supply us as well when it comes to christmas what is it that you're up to i'm away to wales with my partner's family before coming back and hitting the ground running in Edinburgh we've got a new shop which we're opening through here probably sometime in the second week of January so one week off and then lots and lots of work to get this one open. And will you be having a traditional Christmas dinner or something different? Fairly traditional uh, we've not got turkey we have a roast pork organic free range pork from Peelham Farm. Whereabouts are your shops located? So we've currently got four shops we've got three in Glasgow one in Govan Hill one Partick and one in Garnet Hill we just opened one in Kirk and Tillich a month back and we're about to open one in Dowry Road in Edinburgh in January. Do you ever have people contact you and ask you what certain vegetables are? We do yeah we often have mystery veg where it sort of maybe looks like something else and I'm not quite sure so unusual varieties of cucumber they look a bit like courgettes or uh, purple carrots there's another one that throws people off. So we, we you know we, we tell people in the newsletter but we also got a kind of forum for veg box subscribers as well so there's often a picture of what's this and how do i do it or you know how do i use up all of these so people are quite good at kind of helping each other through those um colony adventures i suppose it's usually me sending a picture to my mum saying i'm not quite sure what this is (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it's it's good it's good fun (laughs) thank you very much for your time and i hope you have a lovely christmas thanks very much Well, there you have it, the last episode of 2021, and what a year it's been. Thanks for listening throughout the year, and we'll be back in the new year with plenty more Scran. Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. Scran is a Laudable production that's hosted and co-produced by me, Roslyn Derskin, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.